0: Tonight is study number 14 of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 8 through 12. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him, into the ark, and he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. so Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth, and he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any anymore. I'll stop reading there. Now, um, as we've been continuing looking at this passage, we've really discovered uh, quite a lot of spiritual meaning that uh, the Lord has in view, that the Bible is showing us as really it, it, it all uh, sort of comes forth once we understand a few things number one, that May 21, 2011 was Judgment Day as this whole account follows the judgment that began on the 17th day of the second month of Noah's 600th year. And God made a spiritual equivalency with that statement, yet seven days, and he tied it to 7,000 years in 2 Peter 3 in the context of describing or speaking of the flood. So the Lord um, would not have his people ignorant that they are to go 7,000 years from the date of the flood, a date they could only know because God himself opened up the biblical calendar of history to their understanding. And, and when they go 7,000 years and they have this other calendar information that has uh, again been opened up to their mind, to their 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 eyes of understanding, and and the Lord is in control of understanding, so it's not um, a danger or there's no threat that the people of God would would not understand these things. God opened up all of the understanding that would be necessary to the biblical calendar for the duration of the church age, the 1955 years, when it would conclude the day before Pentecost, May 21, 1988, and and gave uh, sufficient information concerning the Great Tribulation, the 23-year period, 8,400 exact days, so that the Lord... Course God uh revealed this information piecemeal a little bit here, a little bit there over the course of many years, but knowledge began to grow and form and 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 then lock in the the biblical information um, came together like pieces of a puzzle fitting into place. And and so God gave his people this information and granted them understanding and also brought them into the day of judgment keeping them maintaining the understanding of these things and and only because they hear Christ's voice, only because when the people of God return to the Bible to check things out, to search out What's going on after May 21, 2011 was not as we had thought it would be. And the Lord's the one who kept his people in in proper understanding because all the information continued to lock in, to fit in. Uh, there, There was no error found in the timeline and so forth. And, and, and so God kept His people there and began again slowly in the time after the tribulation during the day of judgment to open up their understanding more and more to give a little bit here, a little bit there. He, He gave a, a solid uh, understanding of spiritual judgment. He really um after May 21, 2011, when we look at the language of the Bible concerning the cup of God's wrath, we find again and again it points to the spiritual judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, or it points to the spiritual judgment that's spoken of in Jeremiah 25 uh, in that historical parable, the judgment on Judah that would picture the judgment on the corporate church during the Great Tribulation period. And so, of course, the cup of God's wrath, in Jeremiah 25, God first gives it to the city called by his name, drink of this cup of wrath. And we fully understood and and knew well in advance of May 21, 2011, it was all spiritual. They were drinking a cup of wrath, and, and we completely understood it was a spiritual pouring out of the wrath of God into the cup they were drinking. You couldn't see it at all. But we were held back from making the next logical conclusion, which would be that when God makes the transition, as he does in Jeremiah 25, from the city called by his name to the nations, and they will drink In a similar manner, there's no switching of the cup. It's the same cup of wrath we really should have known. Considering what we know now, we can see it clearly. It continues to be a spiritual judgment, just as Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane was pleading with the Father that the cup might pass, and you couldn't see anything. Any outward observer would only see Jesus... And Yes, uh, trouble of mind, but you would not see anything visible or outward. And when God judged the church for 23 years, you could not see the man of sin, the abomination of desolation, set up in the holy place where it should not be. You could not see it with your eyes. You could not see the Holy Spirit had departed out because it was all spiritual. Likewise, that's the nature of the cup. So we learn that, and God began to give us a little bit here and a little bit there. You have need of patience after you've done the will of God. See the Bible locked in the start date for Judgment Day. The Bible locked in the spiritual judgment of the shut door of heaven, the putting out of the lights of the gospel no more salvation and the need for patience after doing the will of God, that is after completing the task of evangelism then there's another program and and we learn well you have to feed sheep and God is not actively saving but uh, he did save a great multitude and and now we're learning even more that The elector making an appearance before the judgment seat of Christ. That this is the baptism that Jesus said that we would be baptized with. It's baptism by the Holy Spirit. Baptism with fire, and fire points to judgment. And this is the cup that Christ said that his disciples, James and John, would drink of. Will you drink of the cup I drink of? Yea, Jesus answered, "You will drink of it. This is the time where the people of God drink of the cup." So we were learning all these things, and and as we look at the flood account, we see the five months and and the language the Lord used in regards to that concerning the destruction. Of all with the breath of life. And now there is concentration. There is a concentrated focus on those within the ark. Pointing to all that God saved. And we also learned about the dove. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. And we see the Holy Spirit appearing. And we spent some time looking at the waters of the flood as the waters of baptism, according to 1 Peter 3, the waters that save and were following the pattern, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was baptized, that is, he died at the point of the foundation of the world, and then rose up, came up out of the water, and then God makes the declaration, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased where he's declared to be the Son of God. The elect children of God are following that pattern step by step. We're in the process that leads finally to resurrection. But first, you go through the baptism. You go through the deep waters. And the people in the ark were going through the water. Yes, they were protected by that vessel... That represented the Lord Jesus Christ, but still they were going through the water. They were not raptured. They were on the earth, going through the judgment. Anyone who thinks that because they were on board a ship that that means they were raptured, well, uh, uh, you wouldn't think that that are. Uh, uh, Navy sailors that are on board ships have been raptured off the earth. We realize they're at sea, and sea is a part of the earth. But we see that the dove, the Holy Spirit, appears as there is this uh historical parable being presented by God of baptism, just as the dove appeared and descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ when he came up out of the water and now the water's going down, the tops of the mountains are beginning to be seen, and suddenly we're reading about a dove. And in verse 8, Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. Then in verse 9, But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And in our last study, we also saw in another figure that the Holy Spirit in the beginning, when God created the world, and the world was without form and void, that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who is eternal God, moved upon the face of the waters and then we went to psalm 104 that um declared that god sends forth his spirit and and it creates let me read that verse again in psalm 104 verse 30 thou sendest forth thy spirit they are created and thou renewest the face of the earth so there's a, a dual Spiritual meaning going on here where the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, going forth, coming out of the ark, the kingdom of heaven, coming forth from the Lord Jesus Christ and is going upon the face of the waters. And the world has essentially been returned to a condition uh, that is without form and void and Darkness is upon the face of the deep spiritually. We don't read that with the flood. God doesn't speak of putting out the sun in in the time of the flood or or the moon or the falling stars. But we get that information from elsewhere concerning the final judgment. Immediately after the tribulation, the sun is darkened. So we can understand spiritually... That is the condition. There, there is darkness across the face of the earth as the world has been returned to this pre-state, uh, the, this clay that that is to be molded. And the judgment of God has brought the world back to that point, now ready to be acted upon, to be recreated. That's how God speaks of the new earth and the new heaven. Yes, the Bible tells us this present earth and heaven will just be destroyed, wiped out, burned up, and gone forever. But the Bible also speaks of inheriting the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. And God uses this earth as a figure and a type of the earth that we will Forever dwell in. And so the Lord in Romans chapter 8, um, uses that kind of language it, uh, concerning the creation that it's groaning and travailing to be delivered from, from the bondage of corruption as though the earth will be rejuvenated or regenerated as Sinners that are God's elect were regenerated in their soul when the soul was resurrected and, and will be regenerated in their bodies when they receive a new spiritual body. The same type of language is used of the creation, although that's not the actual case, but it is the figure. So God is using the earth that has been subjected to the flood And he is picturing it as though the dove's going forth and going to mold it again into a new earth and a new heaven, the new creation. And we can really prove that this is the case with this language in verse 9, where it says, The dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. When we look up the word soul, it's 3709 in the Strong's Hebrew Concordance. And it's a, a word that's translated many different ways. But when it's translated uh, in relationship to a foot, it's translated as soul. So the context does determine how the word is to be translated. Sometimes it's translated as hand and in some other ways. Because it's, the foot's not in view. But when the foot is in view, as far as I could tell, it's translated as soul, as it is here. The, the soul of her foot. And it's also translated that way in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22. I'll start there. It says, for if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you, to do them, to love Jehovah your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will Jehovah drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. Now here the Lord is speaking of driving out nations from before Israel and they will possess it. And, and then he speaks of uh, the, the place where the soles of their feet tread, they will possess. It'll be theirs. And, and that is speaking of the Promised Land, and the Promised Land represents the Kingdom of Heaven, or the it, it it pictures that promise given to Abraham of a land that will be an eternal habitation, an eternal possession, and that's the language of Genesis 17, and uh, that's why the land of Israel, the physical land in the Middle East, cannot be the land that was promised to Abraham because it's part of this world and this world will be destroyed and it it just cannot be an eternal habitation. But what it represents is an eternal habitation and that is the new heaven and the new earth wherein the elect people of God, the spiritual seed of Abraham will dwell forevermore in that land. So, the soles of your feet, where your soles of your feet tread, it's pointing to the kingdom of God, that eternal habitation. Let's also go to Joshua chapter 1. And in Joshua 1, I'll start reading in verse 1. It says there now after the death of Moses the servant of Jehovah came to pass that Jehovah spake unto Joshua the son of Nun Moses's minister saying Moses my servant is dead now therefore arise go over this Jordan thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them even to the children of Israel every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness, and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Now there is the phrase again, in verse 3, in the context of crossing Jordan and going into the promised land for the first time and and God is saying the land will be yours all the land every place that the sole of your foot treads upon and again the land is a spiritual picture of the kingdom of heaven or if we turn to Joshua chapter 3 in Joshua 3, beginning in verse 11, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over. Now, they've come to the Jordan and uh, God has told them that the priests are to carry the ark into the river Jordan and when they first go into the river Jordan, they're, they're stepping in water. But then the water stands... And where the priests are are standing it dries up, so they're on dry ground. And while the priests are there, the people follow, and they were told uh there should be a space between the people of Israel and the ark about two thousand cubits. And and we still need to do some work on that. It 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 could very well relate to the space between christ who crossed jordan in his demonstration in 33 AD and 2000 years later in 2033 there's there's mounting evidence that could be the time when the people of god crossed jordan in their demonstration it were after completing their demonstration and they go over on dry ground they they finally as it were come out of the ark um but, but anyway, here in verse 11, uh, it says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now, therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of Jehovah, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, as they bear the ark, were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Now, I think that's interesting, that at first, when they the priests carrying the ark go into the Jordan, they do dip their feet into water. Just like the first time the dove goes forth out of the ark, she could find nowhere to land. As it says, the dove found no rest for the sole of her, her foot. Would she try, the the dove? Well, to set down? Yes, I, I think she probably would. She uh, would fly here, fly there, and then uh, slowly go down uh, to see if this is ground. And oh no, it, it it's water. She begins to sink, and she quickly lifts up. And uh, well, anyway, that that might be uh, speculation. And but we do find that. At first, the priest put their feet into the water, and then, uh, the, the water, uh, dries up and stands at a heat, or stands at a heat drying up a pathway for Israel to cross Jordan. And in verse 17, the priest that bear the ark of the covenant of Jehovah stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over, on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. But anyway, um, as we saw in Deuteronomy 11, in Joshua chapter 1, God spoke of where the sole of your feet steps in the promised land. That, that'll be your land. That's your possession. And so, what is the spiritual setting in Genesis 8. It is Judgment Day. It is the end of this world. The flood has wiped out the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of this world. It's destroyed with that 150 days. But now the whole focus is shifting to the world that is coming coming very soon. it's coming very shortly. It's just a matter of time and there's already been some evidence, some sightings of, of the mountain tops and the water' has gone down to the degree that the, the tops of the mountains could be seen, which is giving evidence that there is a, a kingdom, there, there is a new earth that is starting to emerge, or or that is approaching the time where it will be ready and available for the people on board the ark to disembark and to enter into it. But it's a process; it, it's going down in stages. And right now, uh, Noah is gathering evidence. He He's sending forth the dove, and the dove, initially, it has nowhere to set the sole of her foot. And the dove points to the Lord God himself, and uh, we'll have to wait to our next study, but there's another verse that mentions the sole of the feet in relationship to the kingdom of heaven. And we'll take a look at that in our next study. Bible study and, and we'll see that really the dove is God's spirit looking for that eternal habitation wherein the spirit of God will likewise dwell. It's not just the people of God who want that eternal possession where they can set the sole of their foot and own, own it forevermore, but God himself likewise is looking for that eternal possession. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, Bible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.